You're listening to Mind the Shift, and I am Anders Bolling. Welcome. You know what they say, time is money. Money is like muck, it's only good if it's spread. And uh, the band Pink Floyd said, money, it's a gas. And uh, you know this old saying, money makes the world go round. Hmm, does it, really? My guest today is Peter Koenig, a man with quite unconventional views on money, but truly worth thinking about. <clears throat> he was born in Britain in 1947. A business career in sales and professional real estate management took him to Switzerland in 1973. Some years later, after an MBA degree, he had a life-changing epiphany. He realized that he needed to love what he was doing for the rest of his life. And not only that, he understood that all business must be based on love. For this to occur, a transformation in our relation to money is necessary. Personally, as well as in business, in society, and globally. These insights led Peter Koenig to create seminars, conferences, and workshops, and to train others to see business and money in this different new light. And it made him develop many more projects and ideas, which I hope we will be able to explore a little bit today. A warm welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you, Anders. It's a real pleasure. Um, I'm looking forward to this uh, hour with you or however long we'll be together. Yes, me too. Uh, I hope I was describing your career or your CV or bio correctly there. Very nice. I'm totally satisfied. Good. Thank you. So uh, let's just uh, start with a big question. What would you say are the biggest, <clears throat> sorry, the biggest misconceptions about money that we normally have? Uh, the biggest misconceptions are what we are thinking or saying that money is without actually giving it due thought. So that's a bit of a tricky, complicated answer, I realize. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, <clears throat> there's something. <clears throat> my throat is, is not uh, cooperating with me here. <clears throat> well, Maybe don't, we don't worry, because people often have this, this kind of response when, when I give my answers like this. <laughs> That's good. <clears throat> they often start really coughing. Yeah. Start wondering what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> what I'm saying, what I did say was that it's what people think and say what money is. So what you say money is is actually from your throat. Oh, that's good. It's actually that's very from good. Your it's from your throat. And um, it, it's very important because what you say money is actually has consequences on your life. This was the real revelation uh, to me, which I hadn't learned in school or, uh, or university or business school, even though I even studied economics twice. Mm. Uh, there's no how, did, how did that revelation come to you? How did that uh, insight come to you? Through, through research, I really wanted to know what money does with me, with us as human beings, 
and what we do with our money, because I saw such strange patterns of behavior with it. Oh, not just inside myself, but when I started experimenting to, to get an answer, how does money work? What is it really? I actually started bringing little groups together and playing money games with them mm. and saw extraordinary behavior there. And um, it took me seven years, actually, to get to the answer to the bottom of what I was looking for. And, and what uh, was the answer then? <laughs> Well, it's, the answer is what I just said at the beginning, and I explain a bit more. But it, it is about that money is not what you think or say it is for most of us. So uh, it took me seven years to ask the proper question. That's why it took so long, just to ask the question, what is money for you? Mm. And, and at that moment, it was in 1991, I had a flip chart, and I just asked this group of people, there were about 10 people, And I had about 40 answers in the space of two minutes. I had to fill one flip chart after the other. And then I looked at all the things that people had said, which they, everybody was convinced about. That, yeah. that everybody is convinced about their definition. And then I saw, well, many of these definitions are totally contradictory. So that I so said. So, what were the definitions uh, like? What, money is security, uh, money is peace, money is happiness, money is success, money is love, money is uh, my self worth. And on the other side, money is a prison, money is insecurity, money is um, loss of power, money is war, money is just everything potential under the sun. Mm. And then I looked at this you know, with this group at this whole list. And I said, well, look, if money is all of these things at the same time, what is it really? It's like another question, the second question. It can't be all of the, can it be all of these things at the same time? If it is all of these <laughs> things at the same time, and it looks as if it is, because you or we have all said, and we're all convinced of our definitions. Yeah. And I said, well, it, There must be a meta definition here. And that was the key moment mm -hmm. to arrive at this meta definition. Which is that what, it isn't what we think it is. First of all, it's not what we assume it is just without even giving it a thought. Um, but what I was interested at that point is, well, how does it work? We're calling this thing money and how is it working? And the key was then to see that it works through the process that we call projection. That was the real epif epiphany. Mm. So uh, Carl Gustav Jung used this word epiphany, if you know the psychologist who... Oh, yes. <clears throat> who yeah, lives... I've studied him a bit. I know Right. Well. So he's, he, he, I, I'm fortunate that I live in Zurich, which is not just a financial system center, but the center of his institute. Yeah. Uh, so I'd come across his word and, uh, and his concept and then saw, aha, uh, money actually, where it's located is in our head. It's not in the bank. Yeah. It's not anywhere. It's not, it, we call it in virtual space. It's virtual, but it's not virtual. It's actually an idea in our head. And that explains all the definitions that we're giving to it. And that was the, 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 the first moment, this epiphany, because then I got to see, my God, this really has consequences. 
it's not just got, has consequences on my own individual behavior, but I can now see all the companies that I've been consulting as a strategic consultant. When we bring their management team together, they all have these ideas about money and every individual has different ideas and their processes and their relationships, what's happening underneath the table is determining actually what the company is, the direction mm -hmm. the company is going in. And then I saw after that instantly, well, of course, it's not just companies, it's communities, it's societies. And then one, this is threading through our whole global system. And at that yes. moment, I saw it was not my intention to look at this subject more than for a few months originally, just to look at my own relationship to money and those around me. But then I suddenly thought, well, this is absolutely key because yeah. this is actually determining what's happening environmentally, politically, socially, and in every other area of life, not just, and of course, in our individual and personal relationships. Mm. So is it that we focus on money instead of focusing on the actual value, the actual worth, uh, the actual concrete things, that, and and, and uh, that yes, is one uh, of the. That's what's turned into one of the consequences. Yeah, the that consequence, we should focus on what we are actually creating, what we are doing here on Earth. What we're loving, of, absolutely. So that's yeah. actually you've just described what came to be when I had this reckon. Well, I had this recognition of my purpose before that, um, and the money. What I call the money work came out of that. But my, the purpose that I'd already been working on before that was to create love <laughs> in mm. business. Mm. Because I was, as a businessman, I saw, well, it's not, you know, people are, uh, businessmen are supposed to be the most powerful people in the world or becoming that in 1990s and probably are now uh, considered that way. People like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. Um, but I saw... Uh, in my strategic consulting work with them, uh, the other side, that they had these great ideas and these great visions, but very few of them were able to realize them. And I thought, oh, whoops, there's something strange here. These are the powerful people, and they're not powerful enough to have good relationships with their wives and uh, their husbands, mm -hmm. if they're women, and, and, okay. and to, to realize what they really want, they're, what they're talking about. They're, they're, they're just all talk. It's all in their mm -hmm. heads. And it's all just talk and they're not actually manifesting even in their companies uh, the the things that they are talking about you know i was involved with doing things like having them express their purpose and their vision already in the 1980s i was into this work and i thought my so, god they're really having difficulty to do it are you saying that there are that, that there's a pattern here that you discovered Absolutely. that these so-called successful businessmen and women are, are, are not uh, able to pursue a, a, a life of, of, of love and uh, compassion outside of their focused then, business uh, activity. They're not able, you know, by and large, I mean, we're generalizing, but by and large, they, they're not able to manifest their deepest, the projects that are deepest, of deepest importance in their own hearts. Hmm. And, okay. and, That was my experience, which is why what started me to research this subject, because what I saw happening in my consulting work was that while I was getting them to focus on vision and values and purpose, 
there was a wonderful atmosphere every time. And then somebody would say, well, we must look at the money hmm. and, and create a budget for this great project. And it was like um, money came through the door and all these visions and values and the whole atmosphere changed and went okay. flying out of the window. And this huh. is still happening today. That's when, sad. When I, when I refer to this, people nod their heads and say, yeah, I, I, I can really relate to this. And it, this is so sad, as you say. And I thought, you know, I could, don't understand this. How can money, something that we humans created, have this effect on me that actually overturns my deepest values? Mm. And that was the question I set myself to find out. Yeah, well, you can sometimes think that maybe if you focus on I mean, not just sometimes think. There are thinkers out there. There are other people than me saying these things. I've heard, for instance, uh, Simon Sinek, if you're familiar with that mm -hmm. uh, yeah. man who holds lectures about these things, and he talks about uh, and many, the why, many others. And the what and the how, yeah. Yeah, to, just to create uh, out of love and out of passion mm -hmm. and out of what you feel in your heart. And then if you do that, If you do that fully, then you will be successful. I mean, money comes comes afterwards. So you, you not you can't necessarily start, not necessarily perhaps, but but uh, it, no, it, this is really a trap. You have to watch this, Anders. Okay, because that's that's what some <laughs> of the prophets would like to tell you, and they're putting you back on the same hamster wheel. Okay. So what you got to see is that money may come, and there are a lot of you know the people that are getting onto this are giving this message out, and I say watch it because. Uh, for me, for example, I can talk about myself. It didn't come that way. My money actually ran out while I was doing what I love. But that was the whole point. Okay. It's not about money at the end of the day. Doing what you love is about doing what you love. It's not about trying to produce a result of more money or success or anything in external terms. It's about continuing to do what you love because this is what your calling is. And this is the only way you'll be happy in your life. So you might get more into debt. So if, well. you, can enjoy being, <laughs> if you can enjoy being in debt, this is the direction you've got to go. I guess you can handle okay. that, of course, but you don't want to starve, for instance. You need food. Why on the should table. you starve? Why no, do you do you love? I don't <laughs> I think I will starve, but, but I mean, you, you get my point. Some people would think, I, but th then we, we come into this uh, question of the mindsets, the mindset of scarcity exactly. and the mindset of uh, crisis. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's in our heads, you say. This also just, the mindset that I'm going to starve. Yeah. yeah. Where has that come from? Have you ever seen, an, you know, really, you know, we, we are presented with this mindset from the media, of course, very strongly. Mm. But none of us who have this mindset have actually been, have experienced it in our lives, basically. No, it's always the, the worst case world. scenario. It's the worst case and we're presented. And you know the consequence of that? If you have this mindset, you will start hoarding. Yeah. And what does the hoarding create? Well, it creates in the third world, maybe people starving. You mean if we hoard people in the third world starve? Possibly. If you, look at the, if you look at the cycle there created by this mindset. Yeah. 
But then you're referring to money as if it were a, a, a some kind of zero sum game, which I it, believe it, it's it is. Not. Yes. No. In the system, in the system, it's a zero sum game. In the system that was created 350 years ago, it's a zero sum game. In terms of the ability to create it, mm. it's it's you can create money as we see Donald Trump has been doing, and others. Mm. You can create it. It's infinitely. But as soon as you put it into a system, which is counted, mm -hmm. it's zero sum. So it's like having uh, people with money around a table. If you move your money to somebody else, they're going to have more, and you're going to have less. As soon as you put it into a bookkeeping system, it's zero sum. Yeah, but how can you explain that the 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 amount of money is growing incessantly? Be in every because, country around the world. So, because um, you can create it infinitely. So we can, if we're around a table, all right? Yeah. With money, when we're transferring it between us, which is what I'm referring to with the bookkeeping system, mm -hmm. then we have a fixed amount of money. But somebody, but we can add to this amount of money Somebody, a banker, out, let's say, who is outside the system of the table can throw in a whole new bunch of money into the system for us to circulate. Okay. So then we, we all have more pieces of paper. There's yeah. no more value. We just have more pieces of paper representing the same value. And that's what's happening right now. With the money that's what we paid. call inflation. It's what we call inflation. And when money is removed from the system, it's what we call deflation. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that's a, a small sort of tangent on onto the money system. But to be yeah. clear, you know, the people that um, tend to be be taken or cheated in the money system by nasty invest nasty brokers or something are promised that there can be infinite amounts of money in the system where there can't, there, there can only be if you create new money, but within the existing system, it's just still just a transfer. So mm -hmm. the brokers who do, who, who make these promises uh, are usually just having the money trans in, within the existing system while it's fixed, having the money transferred to them. You pay them. Yeah, well, <laughs> it kind of makes sense when you explain it that this way that 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 if you, if you add more money into the system, so to speak, you just um, you don't add any value; you just add more pieces of paper, more numbers on the screen, or so, and it's the same value. But at the same time, we have seen. I mean, obviously, if we talk about the physical world. Uh, we don't have to step into the spiritual yeah. world at this point, but the yeah. physical world has become more affluent and uh, we have become richer houses are better we have uh, better energy systems we have better uh, information system we have better communication cars air airplanes uh, better food all of these things isn't that some kind of intrinsic doesn't that have a, a, an intrinsic value in and of itself in the physical world so to speak so that should mean in some sense that the the the, the value the total value of things uh, and services in the world has uh, increased over time. 
Um, yes and no. Um, <laughs> so let me, let me try. I hate, and, uh, I hate it when people answer in that way. <laughs> yeah, well, let me try and try and separate that out. Okay. Uh, yes, in the sense that what you're talking about is material, and you're talking about the industrial system mm -hmm. of science and technology for the last 350 years, and this has been fantastic and then fantastic advance, at least for human beings. So that's the material advantage. Um, uh, some in the third world might uh, argue that around arguments of inequality and so forth. But actually, you could say there has been a, you know, at least for human beings, an, an advance and a, and a progress 350 years. Mm -hmm. And the point right now is why I'm saying no is if you look at the degradation of the commons in terms of, you know, we don't have a CEO of the planet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if, you, if, if, this, if we did have a CEO of the planet who produced a balance sheet yeah. like any business person, we'd see that, 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 we've, the, 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 that business is going bankrupt. We're, mm -hmm. we're degrading our planet uh, terribly quickly. So, there, so in terms of phys physical terms that you're referring to, uh, it looks as if we're not doing so well. So that's what the, the, the no. And of course, the, from my perspective, the, what we have, what has happened is that we went into automatic as humans with this industrial system. So mm -hmm. we didn't catch the moment to, to, to really step off this system in the 1960s and 70s when it reached its peak. And we're only starting, we're only in the transition right now, 30, 40, okay. 50 years later, um, and, and noticing seriously in a larger way what's happening, whereas many of us, I include myself, were already giving warnings about this in the 1970s and 80s. I'm myself in the 80s seeing, you know, uh, without being terribly brilliant, seeing that we would be at this stage by, by 2020. Um, yeah. But, but unable, to, uh, not, unable to have a momentum, sufficient momentum to actually, um, at, at, till this point, start to, do, to, to create anything uh, or to have any impact, let's put it that way. Yeah, let's come back to that, uh, the, the big change, the shift that is needed at uh, that, uh, that kind of new economic system or money system or whatever other kind of system that we need to introduce from, from now on. But going back to uh, the environmental destruction of the earth that you say is the, the negative side of this, this uh, it, it looks on the surface as if we have been increasing the value for, for hundreds of years, but you say that maybe if we, if we looked more deeply, we haven't because uh, there is a balance sheet there that we're, we're there. the planet has, has taken the toll. But, but I, I think um, myself and others are also pointing to the fact that, that, um, that grow, economic growth has led to better environmental, uh, better handling of the environment actually. And, and we have been able to, within the, the economic system and, and by increasing 
growth, uh, technical growth, uh, growth in the technical sector, we have been able to diminish um, emissions of uh, pollution of different kinds. Uh, and we have been able to uh, have uh, cleaner waters, cleaner air uh, all over the world, even in places like um, China now, which was uh, very much uh, the bad air in Beijing and Shanghai was talked about a lot 10, 15 years ago. It's not as bad anymore. And you know how it what it looked like in Los Angeles and not to speak of London in the 50s. It, it's all become better. And uh, also, if you look at the health of people, well, then we are back to human beings again, of course, but health has become better as well in this process. I mean, there are a lot of things that have become better, not only money, I mean, not only technically, physically, uh, as you are referring to, but there are some other softer values, so to speak, that have been become better, that have increased during this period of, of, uh, of uh, very strong economic growth. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm completely with you there when you... Okay. So, so you, with your statements just now, you've introduced an extremely controversial subject. And okay. there would be many... Um, not myself, but there would be many that would counter you. And, and with my age, you can see my white hair on the podcast. You won't be able to see it. But I still remember uh, being in London and being able to drink tap water, um, which, was ex which, which tasted good. Nowadays, mm -hmm. it doesn't taste too good if you drink tap water in London. So, I, I, you know, I, the, the progress, I'm not sure, could, could be argued. But I, actually, that's not my position. My position is that um, despite all the, you know, somebody might talk to you about species extinction, how many yeah. species have gone extinct in the last 50, 40 years even, uh, it's a mammoth figure. And, and, and you would be saying that's, you know, uh, an advance and a progress. Um, now, I'm not going to argue that because from well, it's not. It's not it's not uh, entire species so much that have gone extinct. That's only a handful, but the no, number, no, the no, indivi no. individual individual numbers, uh, numbers of in individual, uh, uh, yes, you know, animals of, of different species have have yeah. uh, decreased since 1970 yeah. uh, to a large extent. Yeah. So, but I'm not. I don't want us to get into that discussion because yeah. I think uh, <laughs> that's not where <laughs> I'm at. Where I'm at is more maybe along the lines about uh, transcending this discussion, which is I really do believe um, we are in an evolutionary process. And we're all part of this evolutionary process, uh, all with all the good parts and all the, you know, our being, we're not really in a position to judge it, as far as I'm concerned, whether it's good, whether it's bad, we are just in it. Mm. And that's where I'm coming from. So, um, you know, we, we can talk about species extinction, but we may not even be recognizing all the new species being born, for example. Mm. We may not have eyes to even see at the moment the sort of things that are being born. So I, I, that's why I, I wouldn't even want to start in such a discussion. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's rather, the next episode, maybe. <laughs> yeah, rather focus on you know, where we are now and where, what we want to evolve from this point, that's where my energy is. 
Yeah. So okay, let's go back to that. That yeah. big, also big question. Only big questions today <laughs> about where we are and where we are heading with this economic system. Um, you say that we are at a, at a pivotal point right now, around 2020, and you foresaw this uh, a couple of decades I, ago. I, I call it a tr transitional point rather than pivotal. Okay. I think we're transitioning from one system to the next. Mm. And, and we, it's very difficult to pinpoint where we are exactly um, because we can see the old system, the, the system, the industrial system. It's very clear, very linear, very scientific, very intellectual, uh, you know, intellectual in the sense of using the mind. Uh, and and it, it's brilliant. It was brilliant. It was incredible success. But, it's, but we see now, and more and more people are realizing it's limitations for the future and the difficulties it presents if we don't step off it. Mm. And so we are stepping off it. And, but, but to be able to paint the new order, if you like, or new mm. system is very difficult um, to, to see exactly how it's going to look. And so we're in this creation phase right now, which I call transitional. Does it also entail changing the structure of nation states and all, all other could, kinds it, of structures? It, it, it could well do. I mean, uh, what's happening, you see many people criticizing nation states right now. Yeah. And my, my sense is not, my, my, my way of going about this is not to try and criticize anything because we're part of it, whether we like it or not, but to see that we're going to be giving more importance to things that are more important for us in the future and less importance to things that are become less important, like nation states may become less important. It doesn't mean we necessarily have to try and cancel them, mm. but they, you know, we're already with Zoom and everything, we're already going over the nation states, you know? Yes. yes. Um, and, but we don't have to cancel them, but there are there are systems and things happening which are now beyond nation states without a shadow of a day, doubt. That's true. Yeah, I myself I often uh, put forward the the notion that I think it's it's astonishing that so few people uh, really put much uh, interest in that we are integrating for the first time in in human history. Well, as far as we know about human history, there may have been large civilizations <laughs> hundreds of thousands of years ago, which I find. An interesting thought, but I don't know about that. I, I just hear some, something. Yeah. But anyway, but the, the the human history that we normally talk about, we haven't been integrated on the whole planet before, as we are becoming right now, Absolutely. and that has to that has to do something with us. I mean, that's to me Absolutely. that's obvious. Yeah, as you're mentioning Zoom and uh, all these uh, transnational activities that are going on, and we know in in real time what is happening on the other side of the planet and. That must change things. It, Absolutely, it, it just can't. It just can't continue as it has. So th there, I'm completely with you in, in when you're talking about that kind of transitioning. So, um, but you are talking about money now, and and that money is actually not doesn't have an intrinsic value in itself. It's just something that is in our heads, because pe I mean, people think. Uh, normally that if they have a th bank account with a thousand dollars, they think that they have something tangible there, <laughs> but you have, you don't, you don't see it this way. You see it that it's that as something that that's in people's heads more or less. So it's, 
And and you don't is it was it like that even when we had the the you know the gold standard or where even if we go further back when we when the money was um, corresponding to a certain amount of gold in in the bank yes. vault even yes. then it was in yes. our heads it was so let let me give you um, and maybe for your listeners it's interesting the definition that I didn't come up with one of my colleagues actually who was working with me a long time he wanted to have a you know a really down-to-earth um, <laughs> definition of money um, with the recognition of, of what I've been explaining. Mm. And, and um, what he came to is that in order for something to be money, and uh, you probably know, Anders, many things have been used in money in history, like coils yeah. and salt and, uh, and stones and shells and all sorts of things, not just gold, uh, not just metals and paper and, and now virtual. So he came to the point that there are three conditions that must be fulfilled for, for us to call something money. Okay. It must be transferable. It must be retainable. And it must be countable. So... Mm. I agreed with him on that. He had to do some persuading <laughs> to get me to agree to what he was coming up with. But I re in the end, I love it. So those are the three conditions. Now, the, the definition is that money is, that, is any medium. So you can use salt, you can use apples, you can use shells, you can use paper, you can use... It's any medium onto which you associate certain attributes. Now, attributes such as your security, your existence, your happiness, but also source of conflict, a source of war, any attributes onto mm. which you associate an attribute or attributes in such a way that um, it appears, and this is the most important word, that it appears that these attributes are transferable, retainable, and countable. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you look at what I'm saying here with this definition, or his name's Charlie Davis, Charlie Davis's definition, you can see that you think, if you think money is your security, yeah. then if you've got one million dollars, you'll think you'll be more secure than if you've got $500,000. Yes, that's true. Because this is how it appears to you. Yeah. And this is the definition. This is the suggested definition of money. If you can understand this definition, you understand a lot because you see it's all to do with appearance. It's not actually to do with real reality. And this, this fact has real consequences. So if you're saying, I need money to exist, or I need money to feel secure, you're going to start developing a pattern of behavior in your life to run after money. Because what's happening is that actually, you've exteriorized your feeling of security and projected it onto money. Yes, and maybe even your existence and your, maybe even your existence. So you start running after money and that's, that immediately are on the hamster wheel. 
And you think that if you, okay, one million won't do it, but 10 million will. Yeah. And when you get... There's really no, no, no end to it. There's no end to it. So you get to 9 million and it'll already be 20 million that you need. Yeah. And, and so what you see is that the resolution, if, you, if you're conscious enough, so this is all about consciousness. If you're mm. conscious enough, you see that you're on this hamster wheel suddenly. And then you ask yourself, well, how do I get off it? And this has been my work. This has been my, what I call my money work, to help people to reclaim these qualities or attributes that they've projected onto this thing we call money. Mm. So um, what you need to reconnect with is the part inside of yourself, which has been there all along, has never disappeared, but you've disconnected from, which is your inner security mm. or your existence. Mm. So, so people who are running, for example, after money because they're frightened of their existence, mm. in their running, they've disconnected from their present existence. Yeah. Can you see that? Yes, <laughs> so, yes. I mean, is, would you say it's the same thing as some people call it the, your higher self or your soul or your uh, connection to many, source? I mean, there, there are yes, so many yes, definitions yes, of, yes, of this. Yes, yes. It's, you've disconnected, but you've actually, what, what, with my work, what you do is we're, we're diagnosing what parts you've actually disconnected from within your soul. So it could yeah. be your security, your existence, your self-worth, um, uh, it's your ability uh, on the other side to, to, to be a source of conflict, which can be mm. very useful sometimes. If you think money is a source of conflict, you'll push it away from you you're more likely to get into debt and you'll criticize capitalists, people who have money and say they're bastards, you know, I'm poor, but look at them. And yeah. uh, you'll just <laughs> criticize them and you'll say, I'm a nice harmonious guy. You know, I really love harmony and they're the ones that are creating conflict. Yeah. Trouble is that doesn't help you or anybody. So what we help what, with my work, I help that person to become a source of conflict. Hmm. And would well, you that, say that this is even this is even the explanation for people being left wing or right wing when when it comes to money, the money issue in any way? I, I haven't sort of generalized it in such terms, um, but I understand you know what you're saying could be I could say could be true. Could um, be part of the explanation. Yeah, but uh, but. It's, it's, I found it's dangerous to try and, try and generalize because the, the fascinating thing, Anders, is that each of us um, has a different setup with money. Mm. When, you know, in my work, I've been doing this work for 30 years now, looking at people's relationships to money. And I see that the fascinating thing is that everybody, if, I, if I'm talking about the attributes being projected, has a different set. So, so we don't talk about money. It's such a taboo subject normally, so privately or with families. Yes, it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, but, it, but if you do, if you put this on the table, and this is what my work has been, you see that everybody has a completely different relationship to it. Mm. And mm. this becomes fascinating for everybody who's sitting around the table because, because for somebody, you know, money for me is freedom. And somebody on the other end of the table says, well, it's an absolute prison for me. Yeah. Uh, somebody says, you know, money for me, if I had some more, it'll make me happy. And, and the other person says, gosh, 
it'll be a real heavy responsibility if I get my, you know, when I get my inheritance, I don't want anything to do with my inheritance because it's going mm. to be a real burden for me. Yeah, responsibility to take care of it and not squander it. And, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so, how can you go about to 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 free yourself from these mindsets? That, that so, so what I developed, thanks to Carl Gustav Jung, and this he's starting from his notion of projection and recognizing that money works through this process, was a system, which is in use now, which I've been using and I've been training my practitioners to use. Um, which is helping us to reclaim and reintegrate these parts of ourselves that have become disconnected from yeah. using, uh, using language. So it's a very simple and it's a very quick, in many instances, system. So for example, if there's somebody, you've, you've come up with existence. So let's just use that one. So, so it's, the system is, is almost too simple for many people I had to make it more complicated at one point, but I, I've reverted to simplicity again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's to just say to yourself certain phrases. So you say to yourself, I exist. And you see where that goes in your body. So you say, I exist, I exist. with money, which you're acquainted with, but you would say, I exist with and without money. Yes. And then you look at where that goes. When you say, I exist without money now, as well as when I have money. Now, your head will realize that actually that touches a deeper level of truth. Because you can look at the existence of a tree, a dog, a cat, and a cow, and see they have no money and they exist. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so that must apply to you too. But yeah, your well, head, something happens when you say it, I guess. Exactly. And you have so this, to say it out loud, don't you? Or You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it to yourself, but you, it's okay. sometimes helpful to say it out loud. So, so, that's, so, so you're open and you can feel it and you allow it. Sometimes not everybody's so open to this, but you allow it into your body. You're actually telling yourself at the first instant a lie to your mind. You must know mm -hmm. that. Mm. Um, because if you want to change something, what I discovered, you need to tell yourself a good lie to your mm. mind to start mm. off with. Otherwise, if you keep telling yourself your old truths, nothing changes. So this is a good lie. I exist with money and without money. And now... Well, it's not a lie. It's, it's, it's the truth, isn't it? For many of your listeners, you will see if they're going through this, they will say, well, I can't manage this. This is a, this is a lie for me. I, I really need to have money. Uh, otherwise, I won't be able to exist. Okay. I would yeah, say that I, I get it. Yeah. 50% at least of your listeners will be there because mm -hmm. this is what I deal with every day. Now, but this is only half of the work. It's not the full work. What you need to do is also, is also go into the polarity of this, the opposite. So in this particular case, it would be saying something like to yourself and, and you, you go beyond your head at this moment. Just try saying to yourself, I don't exist. I don't exist. So what I happens with exist. you and your body when you say that? <laughs> hmm. Something is protesting inside there. Right. So you don't want to. So you say something is protesting. So now you've got to see this is a good lie for you, Anders. So you say... Now I'm going to say, say, I don't exist, and I give myself permission not to exist. 
I don't exist and I give myself permission not to exist. What happens there? Well, that latter part of the sentence is, of course, more sympathetic. So uh, that feels better. <laughs> so something is moving. Can you see something is moving in yeah, your emotions yeah, or in your yeah. body even? And then we go further. We say, I, I don't exist and it's okay. I don't exist and it's okay. Hmm. Now we're getting into Zen here. I, I, can, I can feel nice. it's like... Can you feel the movement? Like meditation almost, yeah. Right. So now then we go further. We say, I don't exist and it's cool. I don't exist and it's cool. <laughs> oh, that's kind of, kind of, yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be able to say and to be fine with the notion that you don't exist and on some level realizing that you actually do exist, but, but you persuade yourself, convince yourself that you don't exist. Well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Actually, and it, it's, it, it, it's liberating in a way. That's right. So that's what we're talking about, the liberation, you see. So, so now imagine that you're doing that, for example, with security or freedom. So you say, I'm free with money and I'm free without money. I'm free whether I'm in debt or I'm not in debt. Mm. Okay. And now you go into the opposite and say, well, I'm unfree. I'm in prison. And if you can get to the point where you say, I'm in, I'm in prison and it's really cool. Mm. <laughs> you might yeah, so I, can, I, I can understand that this, this does things to people. When they practice so it does things to you. It's liberating you, as you say. But what it's also doing is liberating your money. Okay. Because while you're running after money, with this fear of your existence, fear to lose your freedom, fear to lose your security, you will be putting it in the bank and hoarding it there. It'll be held, it'll be frozen. Your money will become frozen because you'll, be, you'll have fear of spending it because you'll mm. fear, subliminal fear is to lose your freedom, your existence and your security. Now, when you can find it cool to be unfree, cool to not exist, it's really cool to be insecure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then you will just spend your money and That's you will right. have a ball. <laughs> but what will you spend it on? You will start spending it on things that you love. Mm. And you will start to, you'll free yourself to start doing the things that you love. Because otherwise, what's happening till now is that you're working your ass off in doing things that you don't love to earn money in the hope that in the future you might be able to get off this hamster wheel. Yeah. But that's, that's an unrealistic hope unless you, get, unless you arrive at this point of consciousness. So this, this technique that you just described, is this what you call the Peter Cohn exist system? This is part of it. This is what I call the money work in the Peter Cohn okay. system. Okay. Yeah. And then you have something, you, you talk about something that you... Um, Called source work. Called source principles or source work, yeah. Source that, work and source principles. What is, yes, what is that? that? That is where I started in 2009 to look at how, um, how entrepreneurs like myself, but like other people like Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, but, but everyday entrepreneurs like yourself, how we realize our projects. I was curious because mm. uh, I had my own system and I thought I was interested to see what other systems looked like. Mm. 
And so in Quebec in 2009, I brought a group of entrepreneurs together and said, I'd like to share and know what you do. And to my great, great surprise, I discovered that we all did the same thing. Oh. And then I started continuing this research process in, in Brussels, in Berlin, in Paris, in other centers. I brought groups together and discovered we all do the same thing. And it's not what I was taught at management school. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it then? It's not that, but what is it's it? An, it's an ordering process, starting with the first person who takes an initiative for something. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not the ordering process for a production line in the industrial revolution in the industrial age. It's an ordering process between create people who are creative and collaborating together. That's mm -hmm. why it's of such importance right now. And it's being very, very well received right now uh, because uh, there's a lot of disorder in our organizations, in our companies, in our, in our nonprofit organizations, incredible disorder because they're not following these natural principles. It's the, it's the principle of nature. Nature follows an order. Yeah. So this is the source work is a natural order applied to human uh, collaboration. Yeah. And put it into business. Uh, which put it into business. It's not because business is part of human behavior. Absolutely. And human activities. So why shouldn't it be there as well? That's, Absolutely. Uh, I think it's brilliant. Absolutely. So, it's, so that's it's, where the love comes into Absolutely. And, and then we see when people resist this order for some reason, and many people will because they've been entrained through these normal management systems. It, we, I used the, what I call the money work. It's actually goes beyond money to help them to help dissolve this resistance and bring mm. them back into a natural order with this. So the two pieces, the money, what I call the money work and the source work, uh, go together actually hand in hand, hand in glove. Okay. Um, and that's the two together I call Peter Koenig system. Okay. I have a question about uh, the, the psychology of this and, and uh, connected to the, the system that you're talking, talking about. You know Dr. Bruce Lipton, of course. You're familiar yes. with him and his work. Yeah. And he, he talks about these... Um, the subconscious programs that uh, that is running us and i think it's very similar to what you're talking about here and he says that and not only him but but he often points to the fact that we are being programmed the first six or seven years of our lives and and that th then after that we we have some conscious part of our existence but it's only five to ten percent of the thinking that we are doing or, or the activity in our brains that we are doing on a daily basis. And the rest is subconscious program programs just running. And he says that uh, this is the main reason, and this is controversial, I think, but I, I think it's really, uh, it resonates with me. So, so maybe it's, it's true. He says that this is the main reason why rich people stay rich and poor people stay poor because rich people who are born in, Uh, people who are born in rich families, they, they, are, they are programmed with this subconscious program for the first six or seven years of their lives. So they know subconsciously how to behave and how to act in different uh, circumstances. And, the, and they can hence stay rich, not just because they have a lot of money in the bank <laughs> from the start, but, but uh, they know how to act and how to behave in, these, uh, in different circumstances so they can stay rich. Whereas 
people who are born in poor families, they are subconsciously programmed that they cannot get any money. They can never be rich. And that's, that's, that's why they stay poor. And this is really, I mean, it's, it's a bit controversial, controversial because it's, it's kind of a puts, bl some people might say that this put, puts blame on people that are poor, that they, 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 can, they can't do anything about it. I, anyway, do you, do you think there is some truth to this or, or do you have a different well, view on um, Of course, happening? I've been working with wealthy families, ordinary families and indebted families. So I've seen everything across the board. Um, as a very vague generalization, I'd say it's true. Mm. But, you know, um, if you look at a wealthy family, it may be a wealthy man who's from a wealthy side who's married a woman from a poor family, and then they have a child. So there can be complete mixtures. That's true. <laughs> mix yes. of influences. And if we go back over several generations, it's what I was referring to before. It becomes very, very individual. And even between children in one family, the relationships to money can be extremely varied. So there may be one brother running after uh, money like crazy with a sister who's pushing it away like crazy. Uh, so mm. I, I wouldn't like to generalize too much, but I do, I do uh, uh, also like the work of, of, of Lipton's work very much. Um, what I'd say is that the patterns of behavior around money are picked up between the age of one and between the ages of one and two. Mm, okay, that early. It, that, that early, uh, with mummy in the supermarket or something like that. Yeah. You know, because when you're born, Anders, uh, the, the first impulse uh, you have as an infant is as a baby is to take. So you're taking the first thing you take is air. The second thing you take is your mother's breast. Mm, mm. And life is just about taking. And mm. and you get your first lesson on, on money between the age of one and two in the supermarket when mm. you're when you're happily taking things off the shelves. <laughs> 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 yes, <laughs> and suddenly there's a big rule change you're not allowed yeah. to take anymore yeah. and you scream and you shout and if you're lucky you're allowed to have one a small piece of uh, you know sweet or something mm. but you're not allowed to consume it you're taken to a place at one corner of the supermarket with, with some mysterious person there with a machine or a card mm. or a, you hear money and mm. then you get the first message in your life. Uh, if, you, if you want to have something in your life, you need to have money. Yeah. And that's, that's the chiseled first, in, in your... That's the first of Bruce a, Lipton's um, conditioning, if you like. The first yeah, moment yeah, is chiseled yeah. in there. Interesting. Fascinating. Uh, so you, you have a lot of things going on still, and, and you have some, some really interesting ideas and projects going forward here in next year in april you have a, a big congress in altbach in austria with uh, an estimated 100,000 people digitally uh, joining what what's what's this big congress about what are you going to well it's really looking thank you for for mentioning this it's it's really um, it's the seventh congress uh, that i've been running um, it started in a series started in 1999 
uh, where I started pioneering the future money systems with some colleagues. We got so <laughs> to a stage in 2006 where we were, I don't like using the word advanced, but we'd progressed so much that nobody understood what the hell we were doing. We were already <laughs> thinking in terms of, of, of things like Bitcoin or new currencies and so forth. Um, and nobody could really understand. So I put a pause on it. But now I'm bringing it out because um, now is the time to be developing these new money systems. Um, yes. And they are, it's already happening, as you know, <sighs> maybe better than even I do. It's already happening now. And it needs to have this advanced intelligence and particularly more than intelligence, it needs to have wisdom in it. It's mm. not just a mm. technological advance. We need to really... Uh, be wise in our use of this technology. And um, the subtitle of the Congress is actually goes back to my original purpose from the 80s, 1980s, which is to create love in business. So what I really would want my, my dream under this is to have people not just intellectually realize, but actually do that when money transfers between us, when it moves between us in just in any sense, but I'm talking about business partnerships here, that it's mm. actually an act of love. Mm. That we actually transfer love with the money. And it's not a new idea because if you know the term liberté, égalité, fraternité. fraternité sure, yes. French fr Revolution. Fr the, fraternity, the French Revolution, fraternity refers to business. Mm -hmm. And okay. and if you look at it, there's not that much really that the the spirit of there's not that much spirit of fraternity in business normally. There can mm. be, of course, and it's the the ideal. But in terms of the money flows, we don't really see much fraternity in the money flow world or in the financial services industry. And no. and the idea is to have, um, and it can only be done in my view, with the inner work, which is what I'm talking about, the money work, it doesn't have to just be my money work, but this inner work is incredibly key to this. And to have this expressed then in, when, in what happens when money flows. So this, yeah. is, this is intended, Albach uh, and this Congress with 100,000 is intended to be a, like a catalytic process. I'm not pretending it's going, perfection and that it's going it's going to sort of um, be it it's a it's just a moment in time with with a build-up which is already working now which is already in the planning process i have a team of 14 people and we're we're working on this and we're already introducing it's this in our processes with each other and as it's being diffused so it's a, a congress at a particular moment in time yeah but the energy is already there and will undoubtedly continue afterwards. And is this the big launch of your, the, I mean, you, you mentioned that the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin yeah. and others that are out there, have, have, has, have been out there for several years. And you are now introducing something you call intrinsic coin. And is this conference the, the big launch of that idea no, of that new kind not, of uh, money system? It's not system? the big launch because the big launch will take some time. Okay. It's, but, but uh, tell us about it. Tell us about the idea. Tell us about how it's going to work. I've, well, I've heard you speak a little bit about it. It's really intriguing. Well, it, it's, a, it's come out of my experience with so many people 
uh, interchanging with so many people who've been trying to reform the money system and the financial system um, since my first Congress in, the 19, in 1999, but of course also before then. Um, and uh, what I recognize is that the new systems need to have a new design. Mm. Now, Bitcoin, for example, is a new technological design with a new intent in terms of its training, trading, let's say. Although uh, the, the founder was a bit of a genius in making himself in anonymous. I think that was a very clever if 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 it's if it's so, some people think he's been <laughs> discovered. <laughs> okay, so it's still not really known who, who it was? Well, I, some people are claiming it. I forget it's some American somewhere, but forget that for the moment. Okay. The, okay. the point is that if you look what's happened with Bitcoin, it's become a, an object of speculation. In other words, mm. it's been integrated into the existing paradigm. And... and and actually, people dealing with Bitcoin now are only interested in, in U.S. dollars at the end of the day. So it's, it's, it's really not, no, hasn't stepped out. Nothing of has changed, really, on, Nothing on has the changed basic really. level. So the first condition of my intrinsic coin is, that's why it's called intrinsic coin, is that it's intrinsic. It's going to be used just for people who are within the system to trade their goods and services and will not be exchangeable for any other currency. Okay. And I had to figure out, well, I didn't figure it out, but I had to do some work to figure out how we can manage that technologically. And I think we've got the solution now. Um, can so, you tell us something about that? No, I can't. I, I'm not a technologist. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to do it exactly, but the tech, you know, I've presented it to some people who say they can do it. So. So that's the first thing, and it's uh, for me that's and that, a, those who those who enter it the system they, they have to invest. Uh, I, I can, that's, a, that's another condition. Okay. So, yeah. so, so the whole thing is about you know when the existing money system was created, it was created by some Brazilian brilliant designers for a particular purpose. It was to propel the scientific and industrial revolution, and they were yeah. brilliant. The system yeah. they devised with fiat money was perfect for that. So the design is for the key aspect. So I'm designing something which I see is needed for the next system. If somebody comes up with a better design, good luck, because I, I, I will only pat them on the shoulder and want their system to go ahead, not mine. But okay. the design is absolutely key. So first point is inexchangeable. Second point is, it's going to be for people who love, do what they love, produce goods and services that they love and love what they do. So mm. imagine, Anders, you're going to be wanting to buy something from somebody. <laughs> Isn't it totally different when you know that they've this love in the product? Yes, not, I'm totally you know, for it. I'm all for it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to go all in when, yeah. when this is possible yeah. for me. So this, is, this has a, a, a very, very strong cultural aspect, which is, again, a distinction from all other money systems in this particular way. And the third aspect is what you were just starting to refer to, is that you can't just become a member like that with no, with no buy-in, in a sense, with no investment. 
just sort of join it and sort of start using and taking. You need to be an investor. You need to have some, some, something in the game that you've put in yourself. Because, you know, the, I'm putting a lot in the game. Everybody who's joining and, and working on it is putting a lot in. And, and we want everybody who wants to get something out to put in as well. So the suggestion is, uh, the, the condition is that you need to put in 250 hours of your time in doing things that you love already, in service of a product which you give to somebody um, who's also in the system. Mm. And it will, this, will be, this transaction will be re registered on blockchain. So each okay. hour will be registered on blockchain. And, and with each hour, um, you will get a coin to your name. And when you've got 250 coins, a green light will come on and then you can start, if you like, trading with other people in the system, um, not related to ours. So it's a bilateral agreement. The price of goods and services is bilaterally agreed then. Um, so the receiver will have to also verify that the, the work That's that right. you have done That's for right. that person was done by love and that the person who received it also was positive to this and wanted this. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so you can see that if you start thinking about this, you will see there are many knock-on um, consequences of this system. One of them is that uh, if you want to, if you're part, if you join the system and you want to give your service to somebody, um, they have to be part of the system as well. Mm, yes. So that you got to persuade them to start doing things they love as well, mm. um, to become part of the system. And if they don't know what they love doing uh, or what they really want to be doing, and many of people right now are challenged with going to be challenged, jobless and challenged with that. If you don't know what you love doing, you've got 250 hours to figure out and experiment. So that's one knock on. <laughs> One knock-on consequence. Another one I just want to point out, which is extremely important for money, re money reformers, this will be the first system that I know of where money is not being created centrally. So it's mm. a de democratization of the money creation process because everybody who joins will be creating the money. You create the money with your 250 hours. That's true. It, it's a mammoth change to the system. At the moment, the banks are being, you know, the, the banking system, it's, the money is being created centrally, let's say by a central bank or by the commercial bank. In this, yeah. this introduces civil society into the process. And this has a politically uh, even further knock-on process because at the moment, there are many good people trying to create private public-private partnerships, but civil society is not yet in there. I think this is incredibly important. Civil society is not yet in the public-private partnership. This intrinsic coin introduces civil society into the process. So you have public-private and civil society is in there too, creating the money. Fantastic. And uh, the investment is being done by 
real value, real worth. I mean, real Absolutely. services and things, not yeah. not uh, papers or or figures on a screen. Absolutely, absolutely, and and it's a concrete amount of coins, a concrete amount of money, which is set by the amount of people, and. As controller of the game, we may alter that a little bit at some point if it's useful. But I mean, we'll we'll see how this starts. We have to, with every game, you'd have to start doing it to feel out exactly what's going to be called, you know, the next steps for it. And that's where we're what we're doing. We've got a very small pilot. It's not going to be launched for some time because it really needs to be well anchored. Yeah. Um, because it's potentially local, regional, and global, the system. So it has to be very, very well anchored. And, but we've got a little tiny little pilot running at the moment, um, particularly with the young people who grasp it instantly. The older ones have a bit more time, <laughs> yes, more I thinking can, to do. I can imagine, yes, it's always like that. Well, this is really fascinating. Uh, so where can people learn more about your work and your visions and this intrinsic coin project? Um, well, the first, there's nowhere to go yet for intrinsic coin, but the first place to, um, to, uh, to go really, I would suggest right now would be to the Congress and become, you know, get interested in being one of the hundred thousand. I don't know how many there'll be eventually, but, um, and there, the place to go um, is Love in. Oh, I, hold on, just a second. I need to look it up myself. Okay. Because um, uh, it's we've just put this out new. Um, yeah. It's you can register your interest with www. Dot create love in in one word. So C R E A T E. L-O-V-E-I-N dot business. Create love in dot business. Okay. Yeah. So Excellent. if you register your interest there, that's a good starting point. And there'll be, there'll be all sorts of offerings coming out within the next month or two, um, which relate to the money work, uh, not just from me, but there's an online um, Conscious You Money program for example, where you can do this work now online. Um, there's creating your own life masterpiece of things that you love doing. Uh, there's, there's going to be something like uh, how to tell your story in a good way. Mm. I have an mm. incredible, I'm very, very privileged. And I have a fantastic group of people in my community offering various different things. So there'll be, there'll be uh, There'd be various offerings. And I think you've got an incredible group too, Anders. I'd, I'd like to, to, to be able to introduce some of your people in this too. So maybe we'll yes. be dialing, dialoguing more on this because I think uh, some of yeah, the people hopefully. may need, even mm. need to be in Altbach um, itself. Maybe even that, yes, yes. Uh, well, we th there are very particular. We, have, we are in very special times now, so concerning the uh, the possibility of being there physically might be a little bit difficult perhaps, I'm, i'm counting i'm counting on the fact that it's going to be open um okay okay 
by we'll April. We'll see if there's a vaccine coming, and yeah, maybe something something will change in the winter. Sixty the winter. people, and sixty people who should be um, real experts, let's say, or focus have a strong focus on creating the new money system and financial system. And mm. the condition I'm making is that they should have no aversion and no addiction to the existing system. Okay. Or if they notice that they do, be at least willing to work on them, their aversions and their addictions. That's going to be the condition for everybody who attends in live and physically in Outback themselves. Because I really Excellent. want that energy there. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Peter Koenig, it has been a wonderful and very, very interesting talk. Thank you for being here. And may your visions come true. Thank you, Anderson. Thank you for everything that you're doing. I think it's really very, very precious and valuable. Mm -hmm.